Thank you for checking out the Missio Day Humble Park podcast and joining us as we join God as He makes all things new. We are excited to pursue His heart for the greatest city on earth in the center of the city in this great neighborhood of Humble Park. Stay tuned. Deliverance into freedom. We've been talking about the spiritual giftings for since the beginning of the year, and now we're at the very end of February, so today we are talking about deliverance, spiritual deliverance. So that includes deliverance from demon possession, oh, 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 oh. you know, stuff like that. It means deliverance from, um, yeah, dark forces or spirits which have precedent, they have precedent in the Bible. So there's precedence from Jesus casting out demons. That was part of his commission to his disciples when he sent them out two, two by two, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. It can get very weird when you're talking about the spiritual world, but I want to keep it as grounded as possible. But in order to keep it grounded, it's important to understand that we live in a very spiritual world. That although we are walking around and everything is physical and the lines are all straight and we can expect exactly what we're meant to see in life, we are living in a spiritual world. And I, I keep saying that, but I just keep thinking of what we were listening on the way here in the car. And, uh, and we are living in a material world and I am a material girl. Now that's stuck in your head now. <laughs> and my daughter's talking to my wife. She's like, What's that song, like four years old or something? (laughs) I was like, try 40. (laughs) And I was close. It came out in 84. (laughs) That means I'm very old. So we, we live in a very spiritual world. Although we don't... It's clicking in. Oh, not yet. We live in a very... Let's see world that is physical, but one that is also okay. Right, I think we got it now. Buttery. All right. And so this is the story of the man of the Gadarenes and This is in Mark 5 and 18. And so just to set up the context of this passage, this is one where there are a lot of spiritual forces in play when Jesus, previous to the encounter with the man of the Gadarenes who was possessed by demons, told his disciples on the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee, let's go to the other side. What the disciples would have heard in that cultural context is, let's go to the bad Gentile side of the lake. Jesus just says, let's go to the other side, but that's a loaded statement because it means we're going to go minister to the Gentiles. And so as we know, they're in the boat and Jesus is asleep in the boat. And all of a sudden a storm arises. They say, oh Jesus, come get us. See, we knew we were going to die. That is an inherently racist statement because they're saying, If we wouldn't have gone over to reach out to these Gentiles, we wouldn't be in a storm right now. 
forgetting that storms happened in the Sea of Galilee all the time, but this one in particular on their journey to the other side, to Decapolis, which is an area of ten Gentile cities, was very much avoided the same way Samaria was avoided. But yet, nevertheless, Jesus rebukes the storm, and then he gets to the other side, the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee. As soon as he steps off the boat, the man of the gatherings come. He's outside of town because he is unclean, filthy. He's also out there with pigs, and he's just tearing himself up there. Some accounts say it was two of them. It was two men that were there, cutting himself with rocks, breaking, you know, whenever he was bound with chains, he would break the chains. So Jesus prays for him, cast out the, the demons and send them into a herd of swine and the swine go run off a cliff. And he asks them what their, what their name is as well. And this is at the very end. Um, and when he got into the boat, this is after he had prayed for him and he was possessed and he was delivered from the demons. And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. Can I go with you, Jesus? However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. Then he departed and began to proclaim in the capitalists all that Jesus had done for him and all that it marveled. This is what I'm talking about, making disciples. Making disciples and walking supernaturally are not something that are different. They are an opportunity for us to partner with the gifts of the Spirit, to have people experience the Lord in a powerful way. As they encounter them, they become the greatest ministers ever. I've said this story before, but one time a friend of mine, we would go and minister to people in front of the Oak Park Library, and we did so, and it was this couple that we saw there that were dressed in all black, goth, makeup, which is fine. And, you know, we just went up to them. We were praying for them and prophesying to them. And I got a word of knowledge. I said, I felt like somebody has pain in their left arm, which I, I will feel pain on myself as a word of knowledge. And they're like, no, no, that doesn't make any sense. I'm like, I just feel like it's pain in your left arm. And so we're talking to them for a while, and they're saying like, no, no. And then afterwards, after all this talking, she lifts up, her, her sleeve, and she's been cutting on her left arm. And that was a pain that I was feeling. Didn't lead him to the Lord, didn't cast the demon out of him, anything like that. We just prayed for him and sent them on their way. Eighteen months later, that guy that I was with saw them that are now part of a ministry team that goes out on the street, prays for the sick, prays for healing, and feeds the poor every week. Somebody that I thought I would never see again, that it was just a moment for me to love them and show how much God had loved them. I think sometimes we can use the gifts of the Spirit as the end-all, the be-all, and we can use discipling as the end-all, the be-all, but they are all important. They are all working towards us understanding and encountering the love of Jesus. But there is a spiritual realm. There are dark forces that are arrayed against us. People who are not privileged are much more aware of it. You know why? Because money can hide possession. That sounds like a little metaphor or something. Or <laughs> that money can hide our spiritual 
the spiritual darkness that we may be influenced by. Money does that, but when you're poor, it's all out in the open. Sounds like you need another example. You know how you go to the burbs and everybody is like in their backyard, right? And they're like uh, high fences, they drive into their, their, uh, their garage, you don't hardly see them at all. When they leave for work, everything is in the back, it's all hidden, you got high fences, you don't know what's going on. This person was doing something crazy in their house. We had no idea, because it's all hidden. You go to the hood, where's it all at? Front porch. Everybody's out front. They're like trying to see what's going on in the hood, you know what I'm saying? Keep connected to it. Money and possessions allow us to hide things a lot easier. But you go to third world countries, they are very aware of the other spiritual realm. They are very aware of darkness because those things are just all out in the open. So although the north side doesn't seem like it's under a lot of that same sort of um, influence, it is happening. As long as you're a human, it is happening. A lot of these dark forces that are pulling us into other places. Halloween, we're more apt to believe in that than we are on a normal day. As believers um, throughout the world, we're more aware of the spiritual world. The Catholic Church still has an exorcism team that goes around the world to cast demons out of people. And we'll talk about like how that works, how that could work with mental health. You know what I'm saying? Um, but it's important that as we're even thinking about the spiritual world, that we are doing it with the Holy Spirit as our guide. That we are not engaging in these darkness these things. This is why I'm not afraid of Halloween. My parents, they were like, no Halloween, harvest festivals, no dressing up, you're not doing any of that stuff. But I realized I can engage with any part of Halloween that I would desire to because I have the Holy Spirit inside of me. And as a result, I understand that I am filled with the goodness and the holiness of Jesus himself. That he is my guide through this dark world that we walk through that sometimes rears its ugly head and things that are unseen sometimes. So, you know, the spiritual world probably doesn't look like the Ghostbusters. You know what I'm saying? How they open that door to the other world, underworld and there's just like wavy things and the demons in there walking around. Like, it, that's obviously a Western or a uh, cultural but, you know, I think demons just walk around with suits on. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, it, it, I think in the garden, when uh, Eve was in the garden, he wasn't like, he was probably in a form that was lovely. It wasn't anything that was icky, you know what I'm saying? Um, the enemy understands how to speak to us in ways that are, um, that are deceiving taking Jesus to the high, highest mountain, to the pinnacle of the temple, and saying, look at all the kingdoms of the world. I'll give you all of it. Jesus like, you tripping. <laughs> what are you talking about? We live in a world where the enemy is active. And although we have physical bodies, we are spiritual beings that are enlivened with the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Scripturally, the prophets were thought of as mystics, but Jesus would count himself, yes, as a line in the prophets. He was fully man and fully God, but he was a part of the prophetic tradition in Scripture who saw themselves as conduits from another world speaking on behalf of God. And weird things happen all the time. Weird things. Moses on a mountain, um, God writing the Ten Commandments with his own finger. It's, the Bible is like better than any Nickelodeon special. You know what I'm saying? It's just like all these crazy, or no, not Nickelodeon, but a Goosebump special, yeah. <laughs> better than any Goosebump special with all these Amazing, wonderful, hard to understand things that are going on in Scripture. And Jesus is moving through this world and trying to share that with us. Which I'm, just, I'm pretty sure the disciples had a puzzled look on their face most of the time. In John 3 and 12, Jesus says to them, he says to Nicodemus actually, if I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe, then how will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Jesus is saying, if you don't understand when I'm giving you a parable or a story that has an earthly equivalent, what about when I talk about things that are so lovely in heaven that have no earthly equivalent? I imagine in heaven there are sounds that we've never heard before. I imagine there are colors that we've never seen before. I imagine there are a whole host of things that cannot even be communicated to us because they are so lovely and wonderful and complex. And God has to fit himself in such a small box for us to understand sometimes. For us to understand what he's saying in English at a particular moment that we're ready to hear it. But God is so patient with us. Even this picture I love by uh, William Blake, and it's Jacob asleep with his head on a rock and a ladder that he saw unfold from heaven and angels ascending and descending on this ladder. And we know later on that Jesus would say, I am the ladder. I am the way and truth of the light. I am the way, I am the connection between heaven and earth. So when we walk like Jesus, we are on this ladder. When we are saying, Jesus, you did that, that means I can do it. We are on this ladder. And Jesus did not play with demons. He did not play with possession. He was very aware that there is a holy father who loves us so much that he doesn't desire to leave us where we are. But it could be such a scary prospect thinking about the spiritual world. I remember when I was a kid and I was afraid of the dark. And I was afraid of someone coming in our house and, you know what I'm saying, stealing things. We didn't have much to steal. But, you know, that he would come in our house and hurt us. And then I started to think to myself, I'm like, I'm getting tall now. Like, I'm, I'm probably not somebody somebody wants to meet in the dark. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's a part of believers walking in our authority, is realizing 
you are somebody, Christ is living in you, darkness does wants nothing to do with you. It wants nothing with that confrontation. And although we look with our plain eyes and we see, okay, there are a lot of drunk people hanging out on a couch here. There are strongholds of alcoholism in families. There are strongholds of drug use. There are strongholds of all these things that happen. We have to be looking with spiritual eyes and understand we are in a spiritual battle. There's a battle going on in Ukraine right now. And we can look at the physical ramifications of what, have ha- is what is happening, but many things manifest in the physical when they happen first in the spiritual. Remember last week we talked about Hebrews, the book of faith, that everything that is seen has come from what is unseen. That as we walk through life, it is important to be aware of the spiritual world. I don't know how demon possession happens. I don't know where it happens. But I know that many times um, traumatic situations can be an entry point. Um, That I worked in a place where it were kids who had gone through a lot of trauma. And as such, there was a lot of things going on, a lot of behaviors that were going on that depends on your raising that you would say that's a mental health issue, depends on another way you would say that's demon possession, depends on the way that we array or position ourselves toward each other. And I think God is using every tool for us to bring healing to this world that we live in. In Mark 9 and 25, this was a little bit after the encounter with the demon, with the, with the man of the Gadarenes, And a a man comes to Jesus and says, heal my son. He is possessed by a demon. Whenever he's possessed, he throws himself in the water. He thrashes himself and throws himself in the fire. And um, he's deaf and mute. And we could say, you know, that's just how they were born. This was a, you know, a situation that may have happened. But also, I think we get to array ourselves as bringers of God's life and of his grace wherever we go. This is very destructive behavior for someone to be engaging with, and that God has given us authority to pray in the midst of this. And the guy is saying, he says to Jesus, if you can heal my son, would you please heal him? He's heard about his miracles that he's wrought from healings to those also being possessed, and Jesus, like a, the bad duty is, says, if, if, if only you believe. And a man says, well, help my unbelief. And then Jesus, when Jesus saw the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. All the things that you need to move through life, especially to understand about ministry, are in the life of Jesus. There is so much in this. It is such a loaded, small verse out of a long passage that I'm plucking out, of course. But Jesus rebuked the Spirit before the crowd can get there. In the midst of people who may be suffering with something like this, 
you always cover the shame that comes with someone being possessed and immediately coming out of it. He casts out the spirit. He is harsh with the spirit, but gentle with people. That God has given us authority over all manner of spirits. Once there was a doctor uh, who I knew, and his daughter was in a mental facility. And it was the same hospital that the doctor worked at. It was St. Mary's and Elizabeth's, right there on Division and Western. And they have a mental health ward where they keep people who are suffering um, with issues like that. And so I go up there, you know, and you got to buzz in to get in. It's all locked down and all this stuff. And I go up there, and it is no joke. It is, feels like we're in the clouds. And it feels like there's, I can, for some reason, I don't know if it's just a cloud of, like, fog or something, but I could see down on the clouds. And you're up there, and people just wandering the halls, doing, saying all kind of stuff and all kind of behavior. I go in her room, and he, I'm in there because he wants me to pray for her for deliverance. Um, but it's important when you pray for people for deliverance that they are, don't want to, a spirit anymore. And I go in there. One of the main ways that you can tell someone if they're possessed by an evil spirit is worship. As you know, worship is, is something where you are glorifying Jesus for who he is. And it pisses demons off. So I go in there and I just worship. She's like, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. I'm like, whoa, okay, I'm going to be quiet now. <laughs> in that case, even praying for someone wasn't very effective unless they are desiring to not have a spirit anymore. But I love about this passage is that Jesus speaks with authority, but he also covers them. He doesn't do it in front of a whole crowd. Look at this person who's possessed. He does it in a way that is very honoring to them and is very um, obviously wanting to remove their shame. And a story I talk about sometimes of even praying for someone here in Humboldt Park, cat, seeing a demon be cast out of them, where I'm walking, or I'm running around the park as I used to do, and a guy is literally laying across the sidewalk. And um, I go to run around him, I run around him, and I look back, and he gets up and starts, tries to walk into the middle of traffic, right on California and um, California Division. He tries to walk in traffic. I'm like, uh, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If there is something that is destructive, it's probably a demon. If people, people go in schools and shoot up schools and do all that stuff, like I understand mental health issues, but it's also dark forces at work. For us to become convinced that we need to take a life, that is not from the Lord. And so I grab him by his hand and pull him back and say, hey, what's going on? And it was obvious he was like very, very high and very like under some control. So I just asked him if I could pray for him. And 
I, I pray for him, and he starts shaking uncontrollably as I'm praying for him. Um, and he's like, man, I need to go sit down. I'm like, okay. So we go sit on a bench close to him, and I just, I'm like, Holy Spirit, what should I do? I just continue to pray for him and pray for him. And as I'm praying for him, it starts to rain. And as it starts to rain, his whole countenance just changes. He stops shaking. He's like completely sober. And then I pray for him, and he receives Jesus in his heart. It was a moment of seeing someone going from completely destructive behavior to going to embracing Jesus in our life. And I know we walk around in a world, and it seems like we're powerless. I said that to say that we are powerful, and God has given us authority in the name of Jesus to cast even evil spirits out of people. That he has given us so much authority. In Matthew 10, Jesus sends out the disciples two by two. This is the verse I referenced earlier. These twelve Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter the city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold, nor silver, nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs, for a worker is worthy of his wages. I cut that off on the end. This is Jesus sending us out in the same authority that he walked in in the spirit. And I heard someone say, we always are like, what, what should we do in life? I think it was Bill Johnson. He said, you can do anything you want to do in life, but heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, meaning minister in the power and love of Jesus, no matter what you do. That that thing that we ponder over and uh, obsess over sometimes matters to us as our dreams and in our heart, but God really cares about how we show up as his disciple to love others. And I love that as we are walking in the authority that Jesus has given us, we learn what our identity is in him. And this, we expect what we believe to be. That our expectations, as we are anticipating what God is doing, emanate directly from our beliefs and what we believe. And this verse is in Galatians 5 and 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by yoke of slavery. That Jesus has set us free part so we can pray and see others set free. You guys want to stand up?